let's say you have a foundation that has phenoxyl ethanol in it, but then you also have blush and a laundry detergent and skincare and moisturizer. And all of a sudden now you have 14 things that you're putting in your body and they all have a 1% concentration of phenoxyl ethanol. There's a cumulative impact of having all of those products together in that concentration. Hey there, my name is Wendy, and I'm an environmental toxins lawyer who is obsessed with showing women how to toss the toxins out of their life and embrace a more holistic lifestyle. I'll be dishing up bite-sized but binge-worthy episodes on all things detox, low-tox, and what's that toxin? And what is it really doing to my health? I'm breaking it all down for you, separating the myths from the facts and pulling back the curtain on the products and beauty industry. You'll hear my unfiltered and sometimes unpopular, but honest opinions. No topic is off limits. We'll dive into what's really causing our thyroid issues, hormone imbalances, infertility, and more. Think of it as a crash course for all things holistic living, but for real life. You don't have to do everything. You just have to start somewhere. Let me show you how. This is the Detox Dilemma Podcast. Welcome to episode 30 of the Detox Dilemma Podcast. I am your host, Wendy, and today is an Ask Me Anything episode. I got a voicemail question from Melissa. And if you didn't already know, there is a link in the show notes where you can leave me a voice message and ask me a question about any topic that you want me to address on the podcast. And maybe I will answer it here. So Melissa, your question was, what is phenoxyethanol and why is it on your avoid list? I see brands that seem clean, like Dime and Beauty Counter using it in their products. Can you explain it to me? I'm confused. Yes. Yes, I can. And I'm going to answer it this way. First, I'm going to tell you what it is. Then I'm going to tell you why I personally avoid it. I'm going to tell you why the companies that are using it, even those that you know everyone believes to be really clean companies that believe strongly in toxin-free ingredients, why are some of those companies, actually why are a lot of those companies using this ingredient? And what do I recommend instead? And what I really want you to get out of this episode, Melissa, is you to understand what this ingredient is and what the risks are. And then for you to make a decision for yourself about whether or not you think it's worth the risk to use it in your products with your family. As always, everybody has a different definition of clean. My definition of clean means that my top 25 toxins to avoid are not in the products that I am using. And I came to that conclusion with a lot of experience, a lot of information, a lot of education, a lot of behind the scenes of lobbying and the regulatory world of toxins. And so I came to those conclusions on my own that that was what was my definition of clean. But I do believe that everybody should have their own definition of what clean means to them and have it be based on information that they have and then balance that with products that you might love, health concerns that you might have, and things that are very bio-individual and different for everybody. So I'm a big believer in informed consent, and I guess you can say this episode will be one big episode actually pretty short. One short episode on informed consent when it comes to phenoxyethanol. And people pronounce this differently across the board. Some people say phenoxyethanol. Some people say phenoxyethanol. Anyway, there's a bunch of different ways to say it. I may say it a few different ways just in this episode alone. We'll have to see. 
But first, what is it? So phenoxyethanol is actually a preservative. It controls and prevents the growth of yeast, bacteria, and mold, and it extends the shelf life of a product. So if a product has this preservative in it, it can sit on store shelves for a good amount of time. And when the consumer, the purchaser, you purchase this product, you can typically keep it up to 12 months and you don't have to worry about bacteria or mold or anything like that growing in it. And I will say it is really, really important if you are using a water-based product, so skincare, moisturizers, things that are water-based, it is really important that you have a preservative in there that protects against the growth of microorganisms. I do have people who come to me and send me products and say, can you take a look at this product? And it's a really, really clean product, but there are no preservatives in it. And if that's the case, you have to keep those products in a refrigerator and they only last a short amount of time to keep it from mold growing. So I always look for products that do have safe preservatives in them. It's really important that there's preservatives. Currently in the U.S., you're going to find phenoxyethanol in moisturizers, body soaps, facial cleansers, sunscreens, personal care products of all kinds, shampoos, conditioners, cleaning supplies, laundry detergents. It is in everything. I mean, I guess not everything. There are companies using way worse preservatives than that, but this ingredient is in a lot of products. Okay. Number two, why do I avoid it? So Phenoxyethanol is found naturally occurring in chicory or green tea. I want to put the, say that up front, but that natural version is not what is being used in your cosmetics. There's actually a company that on their website, they say, you know, phenoxyethanol is the ingredient. And then next to it, when it says origin, it says green tea. That is bullshit. There is not green tea in that product. If it's in a cosmetic, it is the synthetic form of phenoxyethanol. So how do you make that? You make it by, in a laboratory, you react phenol, which is a mildly acidic petroleum-derived chemical, and you react it with ethylene oxide, which is a human carcinogen. It's cancer-causing. And you add that to an alkaline medium, and what you get is a preservative called phenoxyethanol. The idea is that this becomes a purified ingredient that no longer has those carcinogenic properties in it. But that's impossible. According to a 1990 Cosmetic Ingredient Review panel report, the majority of cosmetic-grade phenoxyethanol that's on the market does contain trace amounts of ethylene oxide, which is a carcinogen. And because of the ethylene xylated being used in the creation of this ingredient, I consider this an ethyxylated ingredient, which means there is a potential that toxic byproducts of 1,4-dioxane, which is also a human carcinogen, are being left behind. Some people claim that phenoxylethanol is also an endocrine disruptor. I have, in all of my research that I have done on this ingredient, and I have done a lot, I have not found any evidence legitimate evidence proving that to be true. So I don't believe currently with the science that we have that this is an endocrine disruptor. But what we do have is a pretty large body of evidence showing there are other issues that deal with neurotoxicity. Now, a lot of these are animal studies and people argue that, you know, the amounts being used in this study 
are significant, like 200 fold compared to what's actually being consumed or used in our skincare and our personal care products. And that is true. But there's a couple of well-known examples showing that even lower amounts of this ingredient can cause problems. So back in 2008, the FDA issued a consumer warning for a nipple cream called Mommy's Bliss. You may remember this. The FDA found that it contained ingredients that cause things like respiratory distress, vomiting, or diarrhea. And one of the ingredients was phenoxyethanol. And according to the FDA, phenoxyethanol was found when ingested by infants to depress the central nervous system. So they did find this neurotoxic component to it. And I'll link all of these studies in the show notes so you can take a look at them for yourself. Back in 1990, there was a report published in the Journal of Occupational Medicine that talked about three women who worked in a, uh, I think it was a factory or workplace where phenoxyl ethanol was being made. And they suffered things like headache, grogginess, slurred speech, diminished sensation and strength in their hands and their fingers. And so they, there was some other neurotoxic potential there. In 1999, German researchers also concluded that phenoxyl ethanol may have neurotoxic potential. So as you can see, there are some very legitimate concerns and reasons why somebody who was avoiding toxins and products would want to avoid this ingredient. So as you can see, there are some really legitimate reasons why somebody who's trying to avoid toxins in their products and their personal care products would want to avoid this ingredient. These are the reasons why I avoid this ingredient. So based on everything I just told you, why would really clean companies that care a lot about toxin-free products still market and use this ingredient? So in my experience working with a lot of companies um, and regulatory agencies, I typically get four answers to this. And I've heard these either directly from the companies themselves or representatives of the companies or directly from regulatory agencies and scientists that were working behind the scenes, as well as lobbyists for some of these companies. So the first one that I hear a lot is the amount of ethylene oxide is so small, claiming things like one part per million, which is, I agree, a very small amount of this toxic product. And That's technically true if you believe in the purity of the manufacturing, but that is not really something that is easy to figure out unless somebody is actually, a company is actually testing for the actual purity and the percentage and the trace amounts being left behind and then producing those and being transparent about that. You don't really know how well they're purifying their ingredient. On top of that, even though it's only one part per million, let's just assume that's true. It's a carcinogen. And to me, saying, oh, well, it's only a small amount of a carcinogen, I think that is a total cop-out. But then this typically leads into number two, what I hear, is that they claim that there's no better, safer alternatives. And that is also 100% not true. The truth is that these are cheaper to use, they're easier to put into products, they're full spectrum, so they can sit on shelves for a longer amount of time, and they're convenient. If that were actually true, there would not be so many skincare companies out there and personal care product companies out there making amazing products that do not use phenoxyl ethanol. I mean, they have found really safe other alternatives for preservatives, and I'll talk about those in a second, but I'm talking Primally Pure, Agent Nature, Beauty by Earth, Osea, True Botanicals, Young Living, Crunchy, Mad Hippie, Hue and Grace, Laurel Skincare, Neil's Yards, Anne-Marie. Like, I could go on and on 
about all the amazing companies out there that are making products that people love that are high quality without this ingredient. So what's the excuse for these other brands using it? They can't say that there are no alternatives that exist that work because all of these other companies have proven that that is not true. The other thing that I hear from them is that they only use a 1% concentration in their product formulas. And they point to the European Union and Japan as also allowing concentrations of 1% and having much more stricter standards on the safety of their ingredients. And therefore, because it's allowed in the European Union at a concentration of 1%, then it is a quote unquote safe amount to use. Ironically, I was working in Europe when all of this went down. Under European regulations, there's a whole safety process that includes a bunch of scientists and reports and hearings and arguments and discussions and lobbying. And yes, lobbying happens even in the European Union, even though the European Union is so much better when it comes to the precautionary principle of toxins. That doesn't mean that they are immune to money and lobbying in companies and corruption. And I'm not saying this decision to allow 1% was corrupt. But I will say that when you saw what was happening behind the scenes, when there were scientists that were bringing data before the commission saying, listen, we have data showing that there is neurotoxicity, that children and infants are at high risk for this uh, ingredient, that we think that this shouldn't be allowed, or at least at a minimum, reduce the concentration allowed in children's products. And when you see what was happening behind the scenes, you realize the European Union was under this process. I think that they were pressured by companies who told them, we don't have a better alternative. If you're anything like me, switching to a natural deodorant was the most difficult toxin-free swap. I think when all was said and done after doing all the pit detoxes I found on the internet and trying over 15 toxin-free brands, I was left, well stinky. I needed something that worked. Some legit just did not work at all. And some used too much baking soda that while I didn't stink, it eventually left a nasty rash. Not fun. But then along came Primally Pure and it worked great. I smell amazing and no rashes. And now it's my favorite deodorant and my entire family uses it. My husband prefers the charcoal version and I'm obsessed with the citrus vanilla. But if you've struggled to find a natural deodorant that works, you're going to want to give this a try. Hop on over to www.detoxyourpits.com and use discount code WendyCatherine at checkout for 10% off your first order. So ultimately, the European Union Safety Report and the decision that was made was that they would allow 1% concentration in cosmetics sold in the European Union. But there was scientific debate on it. And there was also a statement that it was based on a single product and a single exposure. That means that, so if you have, um, let's say you have a foundation that has phenoxyl ethanol in it, but then you also have blush and a laundry detergent and skincare and moisturizer. And all of a sudden now you have 14 things that you're putting on your body and they all have a 1% concentration of phenoxyl ethanol. There is a cumulative impact of having all of those products together in that concentration. And that was not taken into consideration. And the last thing that I hear from these companies and their representatives is that they're better, that the phenoxyl ethanol is better, better than formaldehyde releasing 
preservatives in conventional products, and that's true, then it's better than using parabens, which is an endocrine disruptor, hormone disruptor. That is true. I do also believe that this is a cop-out. So it's better, but it's not the best. So let's talk about what is the best option and what you should look for if you really care about being toxin-free and you want to avoid this ingredient. What preservatives can you look for in products? So there's a handful that I will go ahead and put out um, in the show notes, but sodium benzoate is one that I look for that is a good, safe preservative. Ethyl hexylglycerin is one that is very popular in skincare communities, people, companies making really clean products. They use that. Radish root ferment filtrate is also a really good one that you can find in products. So there are alternatives that are being used by amazing companies. And I just don't believe or feel as though it's the right thing to do when there are when there are better alternatives and you are a company that is trying to sell products to people who are looking who are seeking out toxin-free alternatives for whatever reason that you are choosing to go green whether it's your health whether it's your future impact whether it's your fertility your hormones you have autoimmunity or whether you just have children or maybe you're a more natural-minded person whatever the reasons are that you have for wanting to t- kick the toxins out of your life. I think these companies that are still using this ingredient are doing you a huge disservice. And I also don't think it's very honest of them to say, well, we think it's better. It's actually safe at 1%. The contamination's not that bad. I just don't think that's very fair to anybody. I also don't think that it's okay for them to point to people like me and say, hey, you guys are distracting the community from what's really important. What's really important are these really toxic ingredients. And I don't think we have to choose. I think we can do both. I think we can say these are really, really bad ingredients. And you know what? This one, this phenylzeethanol, that's pretty bad too. may not be as bad as some of these other ones, but you should avoid it if you can. So Melissa, I hope that answers your question. And if any of you listeners out there have any burning questions of your own, go ahead and check out the show notes, click the link and send me a voice message. As always, I hope your life is getting just a little less toxic. You, my friend, have officially finished another episode of the Detox Dilemma podcast. And if you want more, head over to wendycatherine.com to get all the show notes and links to discount codes from our amazing partners. If you're looking for something specific to help you detox your home, make sure you check out my toxin-free shopping guide at toxinfreeshoppingguide.com. It's organized by category and makes detoxing your home simple. I'll see you next week. And until then, I hope your life is getting just a little less toxic.